Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We've been in a series called The Building Blocks of Faith over the last few weeks, and today we're going to talk about the building block of prayer. I'm just letting you in on that because maybe some of you are like, why in the world is Erica up there with you today? You look so much better with her up there. You're going to preach so much better because she's better than you in all kinds of ways, right? And so she wrote a book this year and published it called Praying Is Not Hard. It's a book on prayer, and as we talk about the building block of faith, there's so much good information in here about prayer that I thought, well, I could preach a message by myself about prayer, taking stuff from your book, or you could join me up here. How many are glad that she's up here with me today to help me with this? To build an enduring house of faith, not just a faith that gets us through the good times and not just a faith that lasts for our generation, but a faith that endures and inspires generations to come. It starts with the proper foundation. And that foundation is is Jesus Christ. He tells us in his word that the wise builder builds his house on the rock because the rain is going to fall, the floods are going to come, the wind is going to blow. And the wise person who's built their house on the rock, the house will, will, will withstand all of those elements. But the foolish person builds their house on the sand. And so when the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow, the house collapses. The foundation is the most important part. The materials and the blocks that we build the house of faith with are also important. So we've talked about several building blocks in this series. The first week we talked about togetherness and PG in the announcement video talked about how it's not too late to sign up for small groups. And so we've already talked about at length how you can scan something, a QR code, and it pops up and there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can still sign up for a small group. The following week, we talked about being spirit-empowered, and we need the spirit of God, and we need his empowerment just to live our days, much less to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. The next week, we talked about the building block of worship, and Pastor Levinsky and I had an opportunity to share that message together. It was a lot of fun for me. And then last week, we talked about the building block of hope, and I said that as followers of Jesus, we should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. Amen? We should be the most hope-filled people on the planet. If you've missed any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com or find us on YouTube or Facebook or take a listen on Spotify. Today, we're going to talk about the building block of prayer. And our goal and what we've been praying to accomplish through this message today is that for those of you who never pray, that today would be a day when you would start something that you've never done. Secondly, for the rest of us in this room who pray at some level, that today's message would help us set aside the lies of the enemy and that the frequency and the intensity of our prayers would increase. And so prayer, simply put, is communication with God. 
How many of you have ever been invited to something so amazing that you were just really, really excited about it? Can I see your hands this morning? Awesome. All of the couples in the room should have their hands up because a few minutes ago, I invited you to this sweet marriage conference that's going to be absolutely amazing. There should be so much excitement in your hearts about that that you don't even know how you're going to wait till October 14th. And so, again, sign up for the marriage conference. A number of years ago, Erica and I were living in Des Moines, and I was asked to go and pick up a youth, a well-known youth evangelist, and then also John Bevere, who's a well-known Christian author and speaker. And so I was asked to go pick them up from the airport, shuttle them to an event, and shuttle them back. And at 21 or 22 years old, however old I was, like this was the coolest thing that I had ever done. You know, this was the biggest celebrity that I had ever met kind of deal. And we were so cool that we had a Chrysler Town & Country minivan with the stow-and-go seat. How many people know what I'm talking about? And the stow-and-go seats are so that your kids, if they're eating McDonald's, can drop all of their crumbs and French fries and nasty, just everything into that stow-and-go area, and, and it just disappears for a little bit, but not the smell of it. And... Uh, and so that day, uh, I, not that day, but I spent a day vacuuming out all of the nasty crumbs, getting the curdled milk smell out of the car. You know, those of you with toddlers, you understand this was the season that we were in. I washed the outside of the car. I was so excited and also so nervous that I was going to get to spend a few moments with these people. Yeah, so as cool as that invitation was for Jonathan to spend some time with John Bevere, how many of you know it didn't change his life? <laughs> and it didn't change his. Like, I can assure you, <laughs> I can assure you if some of you are like, my pastor shuttled you to an event one time 20 years ago. He, would, he wouldn't even remember that that event happened. Right, so it was, it was just a cool moment. Did not change his life at all. And yet... Every day, at any time, we are invited to spend time and be in the presence of the one who changes everything. So good. And a few minutes in his presence can literally change everything. Sure. We don't have to clean up the minivan, praise the Lord. <laughs> we don't have to fix our hair. We don't have to wear any kind of specific clothes to accept the invitation from the king of the universe to spend time with him. And for a long time, I don't think I fully understood or appreciated the significance of that, that the God of the universe wants to spend time with me, wants to hear my voice. And he gives the same invitation to you every single day. It's incredible. Just let that sink in for a minute. Maybe you've never gotten an invitation to meet a celebrity or been invited to a special event. But the God who created everything invites you every day, over and over, to spend time with him. If only we got as excited about spending time with him as we do with John Bevere, or our friends, or some other invitation that we received, or even our phones sometimes. We want to inspire you today to want to pray but also we want to give you some practical tools that will help you when you walk out these doors to actually put it into practice in your life. And if prayer is not a habit that you currently have, then it will become one. And if it is a habit for you already, that you'll just build on it. The people of God should be people of prayer. Amen. 
people who are connected to God at all times. Yeah. Jesus is our ultimate example of prayer. We see uh, that Jesus valued prayer and that he spent time in prayer. In the New Testament, we see Jesus slip away in places of isolation and pray by himself. There are also times when Jesus prays in the crowd. He prays for the crowd. He prays for himself. He prays for others. And Jesus also prays openly and honestly. And he taught people how to pray. In Luke chapter 11, it gives us a prayer straight from the mouth of Jesus. If you're taking notes, you can write this down and you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verse number one. It's also going to appear on the screen. And here's what it says. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. In this passage, we see Jesus give just a, a short formula, but also some basic instructions on how we should pray. Simply put, he directs us to confess and acknowledge who God is. In addition to that, to confess our dependence on him and to confess our sins. And as we do this, we recognize that he is God, not us. And he gives us in this passage permission to pray for ourselves, not only in the big things of life, but we see in this passage that Jesus encourages us to pray even for the simple things as our daily needs. He instructs us to confess our sins and have the weight of our sins forgiven and also to forgive others. Watch what James has to say about prayer and his take on this in James chapter 5, verse number 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Who is a righteous person? A righteous person is someone who has confessed Jesus as their Lord and who's confessed their sins to him. And the Bible tells us that he is faithful and just to forgive us. And so for those of you this morning who are like, well, I'm not righteous. Well, let's make sure at the end of service today that you become righteous. It's not in your own strength and in your own power. Instead, it's all about what Jesus has done for us. And then as we are the righteous people that God's called us to be, let's open up our mouths and let's pray and believe God to answer the those prayers. Amen. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul tells us to never stop praying. And some translations say, pray without ceasing. So if he tells us to do this, I think we might be overcomplicating prayer. It doesn't have to be this big production where we go get in a prayer closet and pray for three hours, although there might be times when you do that. But I think what he's talking about here is a lifestyle of prayer and connection with God. And that's what Jesus modeled for us as he was out and about walking. Whenever a need presented itself, he prayed. And so if prayer was meant to be so accessible and so natural, why isn't it? I'd venture to say that all of us have some hangups about prayer. And I can be so bold to say that because prayer is powerful and the devil does not want us to do it. Right. So he's lied to us, and he's gotten us to believe all of these things about prayer, that maybe it's too hard. It's too hard to stay focused. 
I've got too many distractions, I'm too busy, or it has to be done a specific way, or maybe he's convinced you that God isn't really listening to you. So in my book, Praying is Not Hard, I talk about seven hang-ups, and it's in no way exhaustive, but it it covers some big ones. And the seven hang-ups are perfectionism, boredom, distractions, spiritual warfare, God's silence, confusion about hearing the voice of God, and and also independence and self-reliance. So for the sake of time, we're just going to talk about three today. You can all breathe a sigh of relief. We're not going to talk about all seven. Um, today, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, independence, and boredom. There you go. It was so hard for us to narrow this down of what we're going to talk about today. And more importantly, what does the Spirit of God want uh, us to hear about today? And, uh, and so the first one that we're going to talk about is spiritual warfare. But maybe some of those other seven that she listed, you're like, I want to read more about that. She'll be set up right outside the uh, the auditorium and if if you like if you came today and you're like I don't have any money we don't care like we just want you to pray more and so if reading this book will get you to spend more time in this book and spend more time in prayer then we want you to do that uh, today and so again today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and on the calendar, it's October 1st. That's hard to believe, you know? On the calendar, it looks like fall is here, and yet on um, the weather outside tells us it's the first day of July, you know? Like, what in the world uh, is, is this? At the end of this month uh, will be the, the holiday of Halloween, and, uh, and for us, for those of you who heard any announcements, we'll be having glow-in-the-dark parties where we just take this holiday and try to redeem it and have some fun at people's houses and, and, and hang out together. And so if you want to host that, we'd encourage you to sign up for it. But in, in many things in our culture, and with that, our culture has done a fine job of making the devil into some kind of character, caricature, something to laugh at or even turns into a joke. But the devil's not a joke. The enemy of our souls is real. And maybe there are some of you in this room this morning that you think about spiritual warfare and you think about the schemes of the devil as much as you think about Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, which is probably never. When the Apostle Paul talks about things in the Bible, sometimes we can think he's being dramatic. You know, we read some of the passages where he's like, I'm in danger on land. I'm in danger on the sea. If there were airplanes and helicopters, he would say, I'm in danger on the air. I mean, not on the air, but in the air. He says, I'm in danger in villages. I'm in danger in the city. I mean, wherever he went, he was in danger. And, and I don't think he's being dramatic. I think he's being sincere about the, the life experiences that he had faced. But Maybe some of you think he's being dramatic in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, when he says this, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I don't think he's being dramatic. I think he's telling us the truth. And it's so good for us to be reminded of this, that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. There are some of you who have heard stories about people who were demon-possessed, and, and you know people who have, who have been delivered of demons. They've been cast out of them, and maybe for some of you, uh, you've not experienced that. And as we talk about spiritual warfare, you're, you're like, how does this really impact my, my daily life? 
We live in this comfortable Midwestern bubble and many in the room have never had encounters with demons. And I talked to a guy in between service today who was like, you're never gonna believe what happened this week. And he told me this story of an encounter that he had with a demon. And this is not somebody who uses drugs recreationally. Uh, you know, like there was, this wasn't something that they ate. Like this was a real moment that they had last week. And what I loved about it is he said, I texted some of the closest people in my life and I said, I need you to come over and pray right now. And those people stepped into this house unafraid. And when we think about spiritual warfare as followers of Jesus, there's no reason for us to be afraid because the word of God tells us that greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. So like we don't shrink back when it comes to spiritual warfare. Instead, we engage because of the power of God living in us. Paul was talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 through 13. He says, finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. Finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. Put on the armor of, that God gives so that you can defend yourself against the devil's tricks. We're not fighting against humans. We're fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. So put on, the, put on all the armor that God gives. Then when that evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will be standing firm. When the battle is over, you will be standing firm. Notice in this passage, Paul doesn't say if spiritual warfare comes. He says when it comes, right? In this whole series, we've been talking about how Jesus said to build the house on the rock because the rain is gonna fall, the flood is gonna come, the wind is gonna blow, and we want the house of faith to stand strong. Well, let's listen. Spiritual warfare is coming. Right, if you're not facing it now, you will face it at some point in your life and we want you to be able to stand strong. Spiritual attack is coming because the spiritual realm is real. And praying is hard because this, the enemy of our soul doesn't want us talking with God. He wants to keep us disconnected from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our spiritual adversary knows that prayer changes things and that prayer changes us. And so he fights us with all the power of hell, trying to keep us blind to his schemes and to his existence, lulling us into complacency so that he can wreak havoc without our interference. Spiritual warfare could likely be the most, could be the most likely reason and most overlooked reason why people don't pray. Satan is scared of your prayers, or more accurately, he's afraid of the power of God released in the world when you pray. Satan is afraid of the power of God released on the world when you pray. And so if he can stop you, you better believe that he will using any means or methods available to him. If we go through our life with our heads in the sand believing that spiritual warfare isn't true or that it's some kind of mythical folklore or nothing that we need to do or concern ourselves with it, it's quite possible that we'll actually miss what's happening in the realm of the spirit. We'll go through this life being the victim of Satan's schemes instead of the victorious warrior that God has given us the power to be. I'm not a person who believes that there's a demon on every corner or that the devil is behind every bad day that you experience. But I do believe that there are times when there's much more happening below the surface than what meets the eye. And so I just wonder in this room, are we asking God to show us what's going on? 
Are we asking him to give us clear spiritual vision to see what's underneath the the surface? Have we asked him to sharpen our spiritual senses? If we're serious about wanting to pray more, then this is an area that we have to take seriously. I want to issue a word of caution when it comes to, to spiritual Battles like this, as I said earlier, there's some who, uh, around spiritual warfare where there's just some weirdness and some kookiness around it and people can get carried away in their zeal with it. As people are becoming more sensitive to spiritual battles that are taking place around you, I wanna encourage you not to give the devil more credit than what he's due and not to ascribe him the same, the same uh, attributes that we ascribe to God. Sometimes people will say that the devil is all-knowing or that he's all-present, and those, that's just not true. God is all-knowing, and God is all-present. And, and so I just don't want anybody in the room today to, to, to elevate the devil or to elevate the enemy to the same level that God is, right? It's just not possible. It, there, I don't even know how to describe the difference between where God is and the devil is and, and God God's might and his knowledge and, and his power. And so it can be anxiety-inducing to think that the devil is focused on you at all times. And I just want to tell you that none of you are that important. Right? And so sometimes we can, sometimes the enemy of our souls really does attack us and things happen. And sometimes it's our mere stupidity that causes things to happen. Right? And so what happens when, when it's not the devil and it's just our stupidity? Well, then let's admit that we messed up in this moment. Let's confess our sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And then let's pave a new path moving forward. Jesus wasn't under attack from the enemy every moment of his earthly ministry. Matthew chapter four, verse number 11 tells us that after Jesus's temptation in the wilderness, the devil went away. You know, I love what the word of God, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. How many know that we need to rise up and we need to raise up a resistance against the devil and let him flee in our lives? We don't have to bow down to him. We don't have to cower to him. Again, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. Amen. So the next hang up is the spirit of independence or self-reliance. So growing up in a culture that prizes the independent spirit above all else, it's easy for that same attitude to creep into our relationship with God. And if we're not careful, our posture in prayer can quickly shift from reliance on God to self-reliance and self-help. And when that happens, we either begin to believe we can't ask God to help us, Or we think we can handle everything ourselves. And most dangerous of all is when we think that that's the way that he wants it to be. This particular hang-up is so dangerous because it weaves its way into our lives so subtly. And sometimes we don't even realize that it's there. It quietly whispers, you don't need to pray about this. You can just take care of it. Save your prayers for something more important. As if we have to save our prayers up and bank our chips with God to cash them in later on down the road. It just doesn't work like that. So then we begin to stuff our prayers away, choosing to tackle our problems ourselves. And before we know it, it's been a really long time before we talk to God at all. And if we let the spirit of self-help run amok, the only time we'll talk with God is when we run into something that's truly terrifying and completely out of our control. When we fully subscribe to the spirit of self-reliance, we stop praying completely. We don't ask for God's help because we think we can or should handle it ourselves. In a sense, we're saying, hey, I've got this. 
I can do it better. Now, none of us honestly believe that we can do anything better than God, but sometimes we live that way. And it's so tantalizing to buy into the the self-help and self-improvement craze, especially when it comes to prayer. Believing that we can control our own destiny is a seductive idea. It's a sentiment that seems to promise that we can earn God's favor and blessing by the amount of effort and work we put in. It's a type of work harder, you can earn it gospel. And it's appealing to think that we can control our outcomes and God by controlling our inputs. But this type of thinking just isn't biblical. God wants us to depend on him. Self-help is no help at all compared to the help that God offers us if we just ask. For sure. So our next hang-up is boredom. So you don't actually have to raise your hand, but how many of you would be brave enough to admit that sometimes you get bored praying? Especially if you find that you're having to pray for the same thing over and over. So hear me, God is not boring at all. But I can bore myself (laughs) with my repetitious prayers. Sometimes I find myself praying the same thing over and over again, and I'm pretty sure that God is tired of listening to to the same thing over and over again because I'm tired of saying it over and over again. So to get to the bottom of this particular hangout, I started by asking myself a question, and the question was, what exactly do I truly believe about prayer and the Bible? Because the two are very closely connected. And I tried to be honest with myself and answer with what was actually true instead of what I wanted to be true. (laughs) Um, Most of us would never say that prayer is unimportant or that we shouldn't do it. We all, I'm sure, probably believe it is important and we should do it. But sometimes our actions tell us way more than our words can ever say. So can I ask you, what do you honestly believe about prayer? Because I believe that your thoughtful answer to that question is the tipping point for a revolution in your prayer life. When I started to get serious about dealing with my prayer issues, I felt like God dropped some questions into my mind. And maybe these questions will be helpful to you as you uncover some of your ideas and feelings about prayer. So see if any of these sound familiar to you. After you pray for someone, do you catch yourself asking if there's something you can do? Do you say you'll pray for someone and then never actually do it? Are you surprised when God answers your prayers? Do you roll your eyes inwardly, of course, when people ask for prayer about things that you consider trivial or dumb? How much time do you spend praying? Do you spend more time thinking about an issue, or talking to friends about it than you spend talking to God about it. When was the last time you sincerely asked someone to pray for you? And the last one is if God answered your prayers, would it make any real difference in the world? So perhaps you can relate to one or two, or maybe all seven of those questions. And as it dawned on me that I did all of these things, I was stunned and very convicted when I began to understand the underlying assumptions and beliefs that these questions revealed. So if you answered yes to any or all of these questions, you're not alone. 
but it may be a gentle warning that it's time for a little self-reflection. So engaging in my own season of self-reflection, I realized that lurking behind my seemingly kind offer to do something for someone immediately after I prayed for them revealed that I didn't believe that the prayer that I had just prayed was doing anything. Ouch. And poking further, I noticed I would get irritated in group prayer situations when someone would ask for prayer over something that I deemed silly or inconsequential. And mulling over this attitude, I realized that the people who asked for prayer over things that I considered dumb probably understood prayer far better than I did. That's so good, you know, because God's not like us, right? He's not, he's not put off by our approaching him with any need that we have. And, and so I love that statement that you just said, that people who pray to God about everything truly do understand that he's a loving father that loves them more than maybe some people who then would roll their eyes or not ask God for those right. things. Yeah. And don't get me started on asking for prayer. I never wanted to ask for prayer, sometimes because I didn't want to seem needy, but more often I realized that deep down, I didn't think it would really make a difference. What in the actual world? When the Lord revealed that to me, I was so convicted. And I was like, okay, this is, this is not good. Um, but I started to understand that if I truly valued prayer and believed that it worked, I would be clamoring and begging for prayer every single time that somebody offered. I would seek people out to pray for me. Instead, whenever people asked for prayer requests in groups, I was the least likely person to pipe up. I don't think I'm alone in this. But slowly I began to see that I placed a very low value on prayer and very little belief in the power of it. And of course it's going to be boring if I don't truly believe that it matters or that God is actively listening and moving behind the scenes in response to my prayers. And once I began to understand the power and the value of prayer, it changed everything. And prayer became far more exciting, and I wanted to do it far more. Yeah. Thanks so much for your vulnerability in that, even as you list off those. Yeah. As you list off those seven things, I think for all of us, there's, uh, we identify with that. And as we talk about building a house of faith, right? For individuals, we realize that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about building this house of faith for God, a collective gathering of people who worship Him, right? If, if a man labors in his own strength and in his own power, he labors in vain. But when God builds His house, when He builds us, and when he builds this house, he builds something that sustains. And so when the rain falls and the floods come and the wind blows, to think about for generations, there will be people who gather in this community to lift up the name of Jesus is amazing. But we gotta make sure that that foundation is right. We gotta make sure that we're using the correct building blocks, the right materials for that. And today I'm just telling you that prayer is so important. Prayer moves the hand of God. It's so powerful and effective. 
And there are all kinds of reasons why for some of us in the room today, it's an underutilized discipline in our life. And I just wanna say again, at the beginning of the message, we said that if you've never prayed, we hope that you'll start today. And that for those of you who pray at some level, that today the intensity and the frequency of that will increase. Right, that we would believe that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever dream, ask, or imagine. Can I tell you, the last few years for our world has been challenging. And I think about this past year, 2023 as a church. I don't know of a year when we've lost as many people to heaven as what we have this year. Families have mourned and grieved and the loss of their loved ones on the earth, but celebrated their home going to heaven. I can't think of a year where we've seen more people hospitalized than what we have this year. I can't think of a year where people have faced more health crisis than what we have this year. And I'm not being dramatic this morning, I'm just telling you the truth of what we've experienced. Every week we gather together as a staff and we look at the needs of the church that have been told to us and we pray with a lens of hope that God will meet those needs. And as he does, we move those off of the list and we continue to pray for others. And we see that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And I think about a little girl named Ziva Jansen that's at the University of Iowa Hospital right now with her mom and dad, Wade and Kendra. And a week and a half ago, everything was going fine in their life. They're just going about their day. In this past week, she was diagnosed with a mass in her abdomen. It was surgically removed and she's still in the hospital and she needs a touch from God. And I love to be able to call Wade at the end of this day and be like, brother, do you know that there were people who had sin in their life today that confessed their sin to Jesus? They were made right before him. And then this group of righteous people lifted up their voices together on behalf of your baby girl, that our heavenly father would hear our prayers and that he would heal your girl and that she would come home completely new and completely healed. And as I look across this room this morning, there are so many needs that are represented. So much that you're going through that we don't even know about. But yet we've been given an invitation from the creator of the universe, the savior of the world, to lift up our voices, to make our petitions known to him. And as a loving father, he wants to meet and answer those prayers. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together in a room like this. And at the end of our services, we leave time for people to receive prayer prayer team makes their way to both sides of the stage and people come forward for prayer. And I'm just telling you, like my hope and my prayer for that moment in our service would be that people wouldn't sheepishly just walk up to the front a handful a Sunday, but instead that at the end of our services, that this front area would be filled completely with people who are praying. People who come forward because the spirit of conviction on them is so great that they don't want to carry the weight of their sin any longer and they drop to their knees and confess those sins to God. 
People who say, I don't want to walk another day in the pain that I'm in or in the sickness that I have. And and I want to bombard heaven and I want to ask God to bring healing to my body. People whose marriages are disintegrating who say, you know what, I'm not going to walk another day in this dysfunction and disunity in my house. Instead, I'm going to pray and believe God to perform a miracle for relationships that have been broken down for all kinds of needs, that this place would be a house of prayer, that people would come in carrying these heavy burdens, that they would lay them down at the feet of Jesus and that he would meet their needs. And some of you are like, oh, but pastor, I did that a few months ago and it didn't work. Can I tell you? Let's do it again. And let's do it again. And let's pray during the week. And maybe you pick up the phone and you call somebody and say, would you agree in prayer with me about this? And the next Sunday you pray for it again. And the week you pray for it. And the next Sunday you pray it again until God answers those prayers. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 19. Jesus says, I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Can you pray alone? Absolutely, I hope you do. But can you believe for something special in this place? Absolutely. So I'm gonna give an opportunity for those of you who are not followers of Jesus to do that. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. And maybe you say it, At one time, I walked with God, but I've turned my back on him. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Or maybe there are others of you who, you say, I need to confess Jesus as my Lord for the very first time. Earlier, Pastor Madison led us in a powerful communion moment in the service where we reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Today, the Holy Spirit is knocking on the hearts of some of you today saying, let me in. He's given you an invitation to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to have the weight of sin lifted off of you. If that's you this morning, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, one, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning.
If you prayed that prayer, we wanna encourage you in the decision that you've made today. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. The prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage here in just a moment. I'm gonna pray for us. Worship team's gonna lead us in another song and I hope that you'll put into practice this message this morning. And I can't wait to hear what God does as we pray and agree in prayer today for the needs of those around us. So I'm gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna make their way to the front. And I'm just gonna say this. I feel impressed to say it and say it in first service is I don't want anybody to miss out today because you're worried about what somebody else is gonna think of you. So we talked about today that we can bring our smallest needs to the Lord and we can bring our biggest needs to the Lord. And what a shame for somebody to walk out of here carrying the same burden that they walked in with because they were concerned that somebody else might think this about them. Who cares what somebody else thinks? Let's approach the throne of grace and let's have a meet our need. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the model that we see in Jesus and his love and his dependence upon the Father, the model that he's given to us in prayer. And so God, first we We confess that you are God, that you are great, that you are big, and our minds are drawn to that this morning, that no matter what problem that we face or no matter what need that we have, God, that you are able, you're able. So God, we pray for Ziva. We bring this need to you. Lord, as righteous people gathered together in your name, we ask that these prayers would be effective and that they would be powerful. God, we thank you for the love and the trust that this family has in you for the joy that's in their room, even in the midst of this adversity. God, we pray that there would be a new joy restored to them as they see their baby girl walk up out of that hospital completely whole in Jesus' mighty name. God, for the other needs in this room today, we ask that you would meet them for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.